All right, uh, it's a uh, Chance for Gaming uh, supplemental episode. This will be uh, my my little supplemental series, 43K. Uh, this is episode two. It's 43K because I'm about to turn 43, and I'm jumping back into playing Warhammer 40,000. And uh, with me is Matt Helm from the Beyond the Battlefield podcast. Welcome to our little show. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Thanks for reaching out. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that you've made it to 43. That's an aspiration that I have, actually. Yeah. I didn't think I'd make it here, but I'm here. So, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. So, the main reason why I got Matt on, he was in a, a local gaming group that I'm a part of, and he mentioned and posted pictures that he went to the Las Vegas Open, which is the 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 big, the currently the big 40K, uh, I guess, just Games Workshop, period, because they do AOS and stuff there, right? They do. They do AOS, Kill Team, uh, Shade Spire, everything. So yeah, it's it's the big Games Workshop competitive. Uh, the 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 it, it's it. It's like the be all end all, right? It's it's the largest um, largest Games Workshop competition that I know of. It's not officially uh, a Games Workshop tournament because it because it is the ITC, which is right, right. independent tournament circuit. And we're going to talk uh, about that. <laughs> yeah, they, they have a presence there. Uh, the community team's there. All the 40K games were streamed there. And, um, yeah, I mean, just great stuff. I mean, they support the event, and it's great to see them out in the scene. So he went there, and I wanted to do an episode on competitive 40K, just period. Because uh, given my past experience, I've been pretty um, – outspoken about it <laughs> pretty passionate about it so yeah i was just gonna talk and just I've, I've got a ton of questions and what have you and i thought i'd just record it because you out there dear listener may be also interested in like you know i thought about playing that but i really don't understand what this is and what that is and this that and the other so matt if you could start out tell me kind of like your history with games workshop games so um you know, I'm a geek from way back. Um, I, I I started out uh, at Boy Scout camp. Actually, uh, one of my friends had a a um, second edition elves book, high elves book that I started thumbing through, and I thought this is amazing. And and uh, and I'm originally from Northern Virginia, so I went home. We went to Springfield Mall, which is one of like two stores on the East Coast that sold you know games workshop stores. At the time, the the actual North American headquarters was in Baltimore, just about ninety miles north of Washington D.C. And uh, you know, like I said, uh, you know, he was into fantasy. He got a lot of friends into in, into fantasy, but I saw Space Marines and Corn Berserkers and fell in love with the aesthetic. So, uh, fast forward several years, and then I'm into high school. And it turns out that playing guitar is a lot cooler than playing Warhammer 40K. Oh, true. Yeah, so that's what I did for for a uh, for a long while, and eventually I ended up in Memphis and um, had some friends down here. But it, you know, it's sort of as life goes on. People, uh, you know, I don't want to say drift apart, but you know, they they have their own uh, priorities. And, and I said, well, okay, you know, I had a few friends move away. I said, well, you know, let me get back into this and, and see if I can meet some new friends, you know, in town, which I did. 
and 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 I started out playing Ultramarines. Um, what what edition would this be? At this oh, point? this is seventh edition. This is about halfway through seventh. Okay. I uh, started out playing Ultramarines. Um, you know, was just playing up in the battle bunker in Memphis and and and, and playing some people, and then uh, my friend Price, my now friend Price. Uh, Posted, hey, who wants to play this really beat stick against this beat stick list? And that was War Complication, which was a formation back in the dark days of 40K. Um, that was, you know, a knight and all this ad mech stuff. And I said, you know what? I'll play that. And that was sort of my, my entry into uh, what has become my love for competitive 40K. Now, uh, I think I first noticed uh competitive 40k and actual actually traveled to tournaments i want to say in fourth edition but i actually just played locally in third and i would argue both those editions really soured me for uh competitive 40k which is odd because i've I t like the last guy i talked to on this series and uh, anybody else i see on twitter they're they're just like, oh, I love third edition. It was my favorite and all that. I'm like, I saw grown men almost get into fist fights over rules on that, you know? And that was kind of the whole tournament thing. And, you know, back then, Games Workshop was very wishy-washy on whether or not they were official or unofficial. That's back when they had GTs, if you remember those. There were official, you know, Games Workshop tournaments that people would fly over to England and, and play in, and it was just this this whole thing. But seems like somewhere around 5th or 6th, they just were like, ugh, just threw up their hands and were like, we're done. Um, when did the ITC start? When did Frontline Gaming step in? So I can't speak to that directly. Again, I took a break between 2nd edition and seventh edition, which was let's call it about seventeen years. I um, missed fifth, sixth, and seventh. And 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 I think your friends who may have enjoyed um, third edition, from what I've heard, uh, were probably either chaos players or Eldar players, uh, because oh, evidently don't forget uh, the Blood Angel player that could hit you in hand to hand on the first <laughs> turn. With some good roles, you know. Yeah, that still happens now. But um, so, so I think the story goes. And again, I'm just I'm just speaking off of knowledge I have. Is just that make they, something up? We won't check it. Great, great. So, so there are <laughs> these these uh, two princes named Frankie and Reese, and they got together. No, they I, I think they started around fifth uh, or sixth edition, and. Uh, when when Games Workshop sort of ejected from the tournament scene, uh, when I was younger and, and playing in second edition and when Baltimore was the headquarters for Games Workshop in North America, they had Games Day in Baltimore. In Baltimore. Right, The right. same that they do in the UK. So they'd have Golden Demon and all these tournaments and everything else. But you're right. Eventually they just ejected. And, and I think... Um, the ITC and the frontline gaming stuff sort of grew out of a need um, that was there. They they took what other smaller scenes had had been doing, and and 
sort of codified it and, and made it something that people could compete in. I think their first year they had 90 players. Um, and it was mostly in central California. It grew this year to 10,000 unique players in the ITC. Wow. Okay. That's just all over like the country, the world, the world, the world. Okay. The world. There's a big scene in Australia, the UK is starting to get into it a little bit more, even though they play the ETC European Team Championship Tournament a little bit more. And they obviously have more games workshop missions mixed in. But, yeah, it's all over. Uh, uh, people love it. And, and and the nice thing about it is that if you walk up to somebody uh, who's not from where you are, you can say, hey, do you want to play ITC? And they say, yeah, I know that. And, and it's great. It's great. Locally, my experience with it is um, the local meta in my area have been very slow to get into ITC for whatever reason. I, I don't know. But it interests me. So I actually went online and I was you know reading the rules and whatnot. And they're not that complicated. It just kind of clarifies some things, you know, and they go by like, well, you know, whatever the current FAQ, chapter approved, all that, blah, blah, blah. But they also take an extra step and they don't allow proxies, but they do allow counts as, quote unquote. Nobody's going to ding you for having, like, third-party uh, bolters or shoulder pads. Or, um, and of course, honestly, the first time the ITC really got on my radar, I think, was, like, last year when um, the guy got kicked out for cheating. And I actually looked looked up what his army was. They were, his Rough Riders were riding plastic crocodiles. And, like, that was legal. So I was like, wow, okay. So yeah, I was at that tournament. That was ATC, and you know, I don't, I don't want to speak ill of him or anything like that. Uh, the rules were pretty clear for ATC, which differs from LVO. And and for those of your listeners who don't know, ATC is the American Team Championship. It happens every year in July in Chattanooga, oh, Tennessee. Okay. Um, but it, but this year they did use the the ITC missions. Um, so the proxy thing, and, and I've talked about this several times on the beyond the battlefield, uh, podcast, which, which, you know, I'm again, they sort of adopted me this year. I'm only their producer. They let me on sometimes to talk, which is good for them. Um, but that was because GW games workshop came out and said, Hey, we're going to stream all of your top games. Games workshop was there. They streamed games for every round of the 40K tournament. So how are you going to say, you know, uh, you can't do counts as because Games Workshop doesn't want your Cromlech models on their stream, right? Right, right. Right, that makes sense. And they want Games Workshop behind this tournament. And, and, and I think we all, in, in some sense, do. Um, the thing that happened at ATC was um unfortunate they we had a player who was playing a whole grot army he had this big grot rebellion army his name is morgan evans he's he's local to memphis and i was able to send um pictures of his army and his sort of counts as models to the tournament organizer and and they allowed it they came back and said yeah this is great but everything was sort of the same size and shape the same height 
in eighth edition, it's very important to have something the same size because line of sight, if, if you have a wing or a finger sticking out that I can see from my model, well, that counts, right? If you're riding low to the ground alligators. Ah, yeah. Sorry. That wasn't the real issue, and I don't really want to dive down into no, that no, it because yeah, I think no, that's no. been discussed at nauseam. Yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, that was the first time they ever kind of came on my radar was with that. And, um, like, I know... Like, so, my... so, go ahead. Adam, an, an, an interesting point, and I don't mean to, to interrupt you, but since then, they've taken steps to sort of correct this, and, and they've introduced a code of conduct, which, again, is a little strange because it's sort of this decentralized governing body. Um, but judges at tournaments can give yellow cards, red cards, eject you from a tournament. If you get ejected from an ITC tournament... With a red card, then all of a sudden you can't score ITC points for three months or whatever it is. Uh, so they have taken steps to do that. I listened to the most recent uh, Signals podcast after uh, LVO, and they said there were about 90 yellow cards that were given out. No red cards, which is good, because when somebody gets a warning, all of a sudden they step up and they adhere to the rules. I do wonder, like, what constitutes a yellow card? Am, am I, like, arguing? Am I being belligerent? Or, you know, uh, am I wearing a lewd anime t-shirt? You know, what what, what does it? <laughs> well, uh, does lewd anime t-shirts count as psychological warfare? It could. Maybe maybe it does. You know, I... I, yeah, I'm just curious as to, like, what actually did you get carded for? So there's several things, and, and I'm going to pull up the website here, but I'll, 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 t I'll talk while I do it. Um, sure. Um, you know, my, things, my listeners things are used like, to live Googling. Thing, thing, fair. Uh, things like being late to the table, um, slow playing is a, obviously a big thing, and that's probably a bigger discussion we can have. Um, there's... There's model stuff like we talked about. There's not having your list when you show up to the tournament or not submitting your list beforehand so people can start with the yellow card. Oh, I got you. Right? So it's sort of not not following the rules. And that's uh, – I, I, I think it's a good thing in general. I think the problem with it is is because they want ITC to be so decentralized that there's no appellate – process right right it is weird to me just as an outsider thinking why would you kind of half-ass things like that at this kind of major thing you bought airfare you bought a hotel room this is the big time why in the world would you half-ass it like where you're like oh well i'm not gonna oops i forgot my list you know these <laughs> i mean i mean i i agree and i think that onus is on the players you know and and we see a lot of people sort of um, kissing the ring to Frankie and Reese and the frontline player, uh, frontline gaming uh, uh, owners. I'm not one of those people, but this is, I mean, they do make money on it, but I don't know how much. And it, it's pretty much volunteer. They don't have to organize this. Somebody else could do it. So they're doing the best they can with the resources they have. Because at the end of the day, they just own a game store. And they do a big mail order business, I'm sure. They have their secondhand shop, the commission studio shop, and everything else. But at the end of the day, it's two dudes running a store uh, out of a, a an industrial park in San Diego. 
to to me it strikes me as like when um Star City Games started if you're a Magic the Gathering player. It kind of reminds me of that. Like they're the ones that suddenly were like, "You know what? We're going to step up and we're going to do this and, and you know and and if you're that person that starts it out, it does have a chance of growing and you still you have that prestige, you know, if it grows, if it makes it. I mean, of course, what would kill them completely is if Games Workshop woke up tomorrow and suddenly decided, you know what, we're going to do official tournaments. You know, we're going to do it officially. And, uh, yeah, then who would care? Why would they? If there's something in place that sells their models and they don't have to put, honestly, any backing towards, why would they at this point? That's true. There were 850 people signed up registered for for LVO. Uh, there was some attrition. I think there were 750 uh, that dropped for, that were registered at the time the tournament started. And then like 690 um, people, you know, who actually played the first game. Why would Games Workshop do anything with that but just marginally support it? That's if true. somebody else is doing the work for you and moving your product... I mean, I wouldn't touch that. Well, I would say, you know, they not—they are not exactly known for making 100% good decisions over over their history. But, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying it would happen, but I'm just saying that's just the risk that Frontline Gaming takes. Is you know, Yeah, o- over their history. And, and we've seen that sort of change with the new CEO who's been in for, I think, about two years and everything else. You know, with Warhammer Community, oh, my God, they're reaching out to people imagine that imagine that four years ago it wouldn't oh, have right dude now I, now people will respond on facebook to your questions and they'll give you snarky answers if you're an asshole i think that's amazing yeah uh i i've said that many times that i cannot believe i don't even recognize this company in in 2019 from what i'm used to they're doing everything I wish they did, you know, ten years ago. They're they're responsive. They listen. They play test more. The rules make more sense. You know, I have heard so many people say, and I agree that this current version of 40k is the best it's ever been. You know, I I haven't played every every one of them, but just from me dropping off around fourth, you know, and coming back to this all the changes that are there that I wish were there back then. You know, I, I like it a lot. Now, I got to say, I'm very confused because they kind of got away from, you know, HQ2 troops, you know. There's now all these different formations and shit you can take. Uh, like, you know, you can field, like, a Dark Eldar or whatever the fuck they're called, you know, now. And you could do an Eldar flight w- air wing as well with that. That's a legal army, you know, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a keyword thing, and I think that once Sigmar came out and sort of the anger of fantasy dying, Sigmar came out, and everyone was like, holy shit, these keywords are amazing. Um, I have a lot of friends who think allies are a problem in the game. I, I, I'm kind of indifferent to it, unless I lose to a heavy soup army, in which case I'm furious, obviously. Um, you know, Eldar are Eldar. There's fluff reasons to say that they would play with each other. 
the 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 uh, formations they have are no different than they were in seventh. Really, except you don't get bonuses for them, command points. Yeah, but unless you take a battalion or a brigade, you're not getting a lot. You're getting one command point. Um, so yeah, I, I can take an air wing of Hemlock uh, Wraith fighters with my uh, Black Heart Cabal detachment. You can build that fluff story in your head, and it works. Sure. Yeah. You know. Uh, now I've got to say, it used to, I used to kind of be down on like win at all cost players. However, the definition of win at all cost has changed. Like in twenty nine, in back when I played, it was more people that were like, well, there are literally only three lists out of like you know a dozen codexes, three lists that actually win games. Or that will will win a game every time. And it's been Blood Angels. It's been Black Templars, you know. And um, it would be guys just running those lists. That's it. Just those three. Now, there is a lot more variety. And now, like, you know, I would consider a quote-unquote win-at-all-cost guy as somebody that cheats, you know. Because now there's so much different variety and and stuff like that. I really like how... Now, you mentioned, like, the Imperial Soup. I did look through a lot of uh, photos of army lists at the LVO. A lot of people brought knights. A lot of Imperial players brought one knight, you know, or whatever. And that was kind of cool to see. Uh, oh, yeah. And their, their fucking um, uh, display board game. Good Lord. How First of all, how did they even transport it there? They had to be locals. You know, these things, some of them are, like, five feet tall. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I digress. So, I so that. my, my partner, um, there at LVO, we played in, in the, the team tournament after, afterwards, uh, you know, he, he was running number two or three going into LVO for hobby track first display boards, uh, and just a beautiful army. He had commission painted, but that's fair. You know, the, the, the best thing about incentivizing hobby skills is that I get to line up against an army that I know somebody has put time into. Whether they paid money to have that time put into it or not, if I get to line up against a beautiful army, man, that's awesome. Um, you know, the soup thing, yeah, we, we saw a bunch of knights. I, I, I think I played two or three knight lists. Uh, which is fine. I'm not really scared of knights. I lost my second and sixth game. Um, two nights, but you know, the second one, maybe it was because of a timing issue. He was a good player. Um, I made a mistake and didn't bring in some, some reserves when I should, but had it gone to five or six turns, I probably would have won that game handedly. Um, going to whack players. And I despise that term because if you and I line up against each other, I want to beat you. Winning is fun, and anybody who tells you different is a liar. That is true. Yeah. Right? You know. Winning is fun, and I'm not going to cheat to do it, right? But I will use the rules to my best ability. If I if I know the rules better than you, I will use that. And, and even at times, if I'm able to, you know, do some gamesmanship and, and put you on tilt, I'll do it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's a game, right? We're not playing armies against each other. You're playing the person across the table from you. 
Right. It, I mean, it's no different than competitive uh, magic or, you know, ancients or, you know, anything like that is you're playing at a high, you at a higher level. It's not just like your local, you know, Sunday afternoon game or whatever. This is the big time. This is competitive. That's why you go to an ITC event. That's why you would do, you know, why you're why you're at the LVO. You know, you are expecting the guy across the table to be good, to to challenge you. Right, exactly, and 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 I, I I do understand sort of the perception of it. I don't know if if you watched any of the coverage from last year, but a gentleman named um, um, uh, what's it, Alex Fennel, played a game on stream last year at the top tables, <coughs> excuse me, uh, in LVO, where his opponent helped him bring in his deep striking models, right knowing that Alex still had more models to move on the board. And the thing about 8th edition is deep striking models happen at the end of the movement phase. So if you bring in a model, you can't move anything else, right? Right. Alex realized it and said, oh, hey, I'm sorry, I forgot. Do you mind if I do this? And his opponent said, no, you can't do that. The rules are the rules. That's Ooh, fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's that is fair. And so his opponent went up against Nick Navati, who's probably the best 40k player, and as far as I know, the only professional 40k player uh, in the world got caught out on a technicality um, playing, you know, his Eldar by Navati. And Navati said, "Hey, listen, I don't want to win this like this, but because of what you did to Alex, you can't do that." And because of that. Mark Merrill, uh, who is co-founder of Riot Games, watched the game, gave Alex $5,000. Wow, okay. For sportsmanship. I mean, this guy's a billionaire, right? Yeah. Uh, Alex said, well, I can't accept this money. Obviously, I'm going to donate it. And he donated it to his his wife's um, uh, hospital. She works in a children's hospital. And then someone he was working with um, said, well, you know, we'll match that donation all of a sudden it grows to $10,000 games workshop gets a wind of it and matches that. And all of a sudden it's $15,000 donated to a children's hospital for a game that was on the front page of Twitch. Hmm. So we're sort of incentivizing this stuff and that's near and dear to my heart, right? Because I work for a children's hospital. I mean, I'm in Memphis. You can probably guess which one I do. Uh, it's, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. People are watching, you know, People are rewarding sportsmanship against these, you know, quote unquote, whack players. And I think it's an amazing thing. I actually had the pleasure of playing Alex Fennell in the sixth round this year. Um, couldn't have been nicer. I had hit my goal a round before of, you know, I wanted to go four and two for the tournament, improve on last year. And then by that point, you know, six games in two days, I was burned out. And I said, well, I'm just going to push Miles up the middle. Alex, let's just have a fun game. And he said, I'm all for that. And we sat there. I helped him. I said, hey, Alex, you forgot to shoot this. Maybe you should shoot this. Maybe you shoot this and this. And and then he helped me as well. And and this was at table 43, which isn't a top table. Um, but that's the kind of players you run into usually, right? The bad ones always get the bad name. But the good ones are so much more prevalent, especially a guy like Alex. He ended up winning the game, and I wasn't sad because I had hit my goal, right? 
And I had a fun game to end my tournament where I wasn't worried about, oh, did I move this half an inch too much or whatever else? And that's the way the game should be. There's a way to play competitively, right? And and stomp your opponent's face in and still have a good time with them. And I think that's why, you know, a, a, a lot of players who who – you know, some people view as win at all costs or just tournament players or hardcore players get a bad rap, and it's unfair. I yeah, I see. I had never heard that story before. I I only hear about the guys that are tossed out because they're cheating or you know whatever. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and Mark Merrill actually played against one of our guys, uh, Darren Darren uh, uh, Potoso. Potoso. I hope I said that right. Uh, played him. He he played in the forty k champs at LVO. Right. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and this year, because of that and because of the relationship that that they have with Twitch um, and listening to the last Frontline podcast, I I believe the the most um, concurrent viewers, uh, that number was like 13,000 watching 40K. Wow. That's crazy. And and I think they said, I think and I may be way off on this. 100,000 unique viewers looking in on 40K over the weekend. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I could. I do not know if I could actually sit down and watch somebody else play a game. It would depend on, like, if I could hear better. I don't know. It seems like live sports, quote-unquote, is kind of... It's only really good if you have a good commentator, you know, whatever. Oh, oh, I completely agree. And, you know, there's people like the, the outspoken gamers, is that his name, uh, used to work for the community, uh, you know, who, who are looking at sort of improving it. I know, and, and you told me you were a video en- editor or technician. I'm an audio right. video engineer by trade. I know I could go in and kill it with, you know, a $50,000 rig. I just don't know if anybody's willing to, to put money <laughs> in there, right? We need multiple cameras. We need, you know, we need microphones on the players. We need a producer who knows the game to know, you know, when to go to certain shots. We need a sideline reporter. We need so many things to make it sort of viable to watch online. Uh, but this year, you know, Games Workshop's getting better. They've sort of employed the the um, the help from Frankie uh, from Frontline Gaming and, you know, uh other people to sort of drive the product. And I think that's, I think that's fantastic. There's a lot of room to grow there. Uh, but those numbers, I mean, those are incredible for, let's be honest, a stupid game that nobody really knows about. <laughs> that is true. It, it, and you know, people that play kind of don't really understand that, that like, look, you know, it's, you think it's a really big hobby. It's a really big IP, but when you, it's not a drop in the bucket compared to like a video game IP, you know? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's it's even like Magic the Gathering. You think every shop in the in the uh, the U.S. has got players there, but even then, it's not that big compared to other geeky stuff, you know, like uh, uh, video games, anime, you know, whatever. It's just it's not the same, but. That's why you get a, a convention like this is pretty much pulling everyone in at that level, and it's it's quite big. Speaking of, what were the, like the demographics there about like how many people, uh, how many people? Yeah, about how many people were there? So demographics, and and again, don't quote these numbers on me because I I'm just pulling these from uh, 
from the Frontline Gaming podcast that I listened to. Uh, I think there were like 3,000 people who attended uh, the overall convention. There were originally 800-some-odd people signed up for 40K Championship. Uh, that number shrunk down to 650. They had 130-ish people for Age of Sigmar. Uh, I know there was 250 people for the team tournament that the Long War ran. Uh, and that was on the on the Sunday. And that doesn't even include all the seminars. So they had painting seminars, um, all sorts of things. You know, Games Workshop came in and did their next three-month preview where they announced a bunch of stuff, the new sort of um, stealthy Marines and things like that. They, they launched that video, and I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it was incredible. It was and now you've all been waiting for this new Primaris Lieutenant, right? And it went all through through this video pumping up the Primaris Lieutenant. Turns out that it's a new plastic Abaddon, the Destroyer. Ah, okay. Right? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they have a sense of humor about themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, 3,000 people. And it was all nerds there, man. It was all nerds. It was fantastic. It was such a great time hanging out with people meeting people shaking hands you know kudos to them for putting it on are there problems yeah there are things that i would do differently but um again i you know i'm not hosting a three thousand person event so it's pretty easy for me to say now like three thousand people that's that's a small convention you know oh yeah you yeah, yeah. say for sure but it is very niche um what's the cost not counting airfare what's the cost of just the con so, for me, I think I, I signed up for, I got the, you know, not the high roller package, the one right below that, which is a, a t-shirt, a um, pint glass, and some objective markers, the, the cost of the championship tournament, and then an entry into the first RTT, which is small tournament of the new season, right? Which is, which is on the Sunday immediately following the championships, unless you made it to the top eight. And that was about $150, I think. So not too bad, right? I got six right. games in. I, I have a pint glass. I now have two pint glasses and two shirts with different versions of 40K Elvis. I guess they figure it's Vegas. We need Elvis. But I bring it back here to Memphis, and I'm like, yeah, look, Elvis. He's he's cool. a marine or he's a corn berserker or whatever else you know, <laughs> so it's it you know th that cost is minimal compared to the cost of let's just say beer in Vegas, which is very expensive. Ugh, yeah, I hate that. You gotta bring your own. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely do. I actually bought a uh, uh, seventeen dollar pack of cigarettes there. Good lord, <laughs> really? Yeah, they have you over a barrel. Uh, oh man! Yeah, so I thought they were supposed to be cheaper in airports, like duty free or something. Shh. Yeah, that's enough. I, you know, I, I'd quit if I lived in Vegas, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of like demographics, I mean, obviously it's going to be majority white male. You know, mm -hmm. there I, I would say. What about age range? So I'll talk about the last two tournaments. Uh, last two LBO tournaments, I've seen a very wide breadth of ages. Um, 
obviously it's 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 people twenty one and up, people who can afford to go out there, which is a big thing, right? Uh, but there there are some younger people. Most people are probably in our demographic, you know, white men between you know, 28 and 45, which is probably the key demo for any advertising agency. Uh, The one thing I did notice, and I'm going to pick up my phone here because I really want to give her a shout out. This is, um, this is pretty awesome. And and my teammate, Matt Bonnerchuk actually lost to her at an event. Um, There were a lot of, of, of women players there. Okay. And, and to me, that was awesome because, you know, it, it sort of speaks to nerd culture growing, right? Sort of right. transcending those those typical lines. And her first name is Isabella, and I'm just going to look it up because I think she finished in 50th place, 57th place. Let's look her up here. Sorry if this is boring. Yes, Isabella Humphreys, 57th place. Okay. Yeah. So, so you know, 40K isn't just for boys. You know, this hobby isn't just for boys. Um, other demographics, there were a lot of Europeans this year. Uh, there were some people from China this year. Australians. Okay. Um, you know, uh, there was a Hawaiian team there who, who, who I met and drank with and, and, and played a few games against actually in the tournament uh people of color color uh, yeah not equally represented you know which which okay. I, I i think but still present still present but probably not enough so okay yeah. uh you know I, I i think that there's probably some things that could be done to to help that i don't want to speak to it here but you know it's a start right right, we're, right. We're, it's 2019 we're all sort of woke now we're trying to be sure. Yeah. And, and I think we're all learning. So hopefully in the future, uh, we start to see that and, and, and the, the, the presence of, of, of women there, um, that, that did not get harassed. That's, that's always good. You know, hope, you hate, to, hopefully you we hate haven't to heard any those... of those stories. Right. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I know. Hopefully it didn't happen. Yeah. You think if it did, you would have heard something Fine. because it's like, I, I fucking hate to hear that. The, those stories coming out and it's it seems like you know every other week it happens with a you know it's been a voiceover artist or you know whatever at, you know and it's all at conventions well i know it happens in magic that. too and i know people have been banned by wizards yeah. for that sort of stuff too you know so it's uh yeah we haven't heard anything yet which is good i mean i i, I would hope that if it did happen uh the victims would 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 have the courage to come forward and say something Obviously, but um, the fact we haven't heard anything and that we we've we've had females placing high uh, in the standings, I think that is amazing for the game. And the more outreach, the more people we can bring in, the more minds we can bring into the game. Oh, it, it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. And I'm really excited to be a part of that. I'm a little disappointed at the Sigmar numbers. Didn't have quite that many people in. Maybe it's just not known as much for competitive play or I think or whatnot. It, I think it is. I think they had a higher average rate of attrition that they usually do. I think it was like 15, 20% attrition. This okay. Um, but I will tell you uh, without a shadow of a doubt, 
the Sigmar armies that go to Las Vegas Open are the most beautiful armies in the world. Oh yeah, I've seen a picture. Just amazing. Those people ma- makes me sick. Are not only good war gamers, they are amazing hobbyists. Right. Yeah. And I think that's you something can... that people on the 40k side should aspire to. Now, we're we're seeing a lot of new gamers in Sigmar or at least new armies because, you know, it's a new game and you can't necessarily go out and just borrow your friend's army to go to an event that has three colors on it. Right? True. But, but these people take time. Uh, they take pride in their armies. I think mo- more people should. I mean, it, it's fantastic. The, the Sigmar armies are beautiful. The tables were beautiful. Um, everything was amazing about that. Th- they run another event uh, there, too. We actually, we, sorry, Frontline Gaming had to expand and, and take over sort of a penthouse suite to do their narrative campaign because they ran out of room in the convention center. Okay, that's pretty cool. Right, right. So that's how yeah. much it's growing. They've hit capacity at the hotel they're at. And and the amount of narrative players who go there, and, and I haven't seen the tables, obviously, because they were in, in another part of the hotel, which I wasn't uh, able to get to. Um, but, but from what I've heard, that event is incredible as well. I mean, they pair everybody up. They built these terrains, these, these intricate stories, everything like that. And that's that's amazing too. There really is something for everybody. And and I was talking to a friend at work who sort of saw me, uh, you know, he he outed me as a geek because uh, he happened to come up to Games Workshop when I was running a tournament there, uh, the Battle Bunker here in Memphis, and he was like, "Oh yeah, my friend was trying to get me into 40k and this, that, and the other." And he was like, the problem is, you know, my friend only wants to collect and build and paint and I want to play games. And my message for him was there really is something in this hobby for everybody. If you just want to paint, good on you. If you want to collect models, good on you. Everybody is going to give you high fives and thumbs up on Facebook. If you paint a beautiful model, it doesn't matter if they're a competitive player, a whack player, as you say, a fluff bunny, as us whack players say, or anything else, right? Right. Everybody sort of wants to celebrate what everybody else does, because I think we're at a point now where we sort of recognize this this growth pattern that we're in. Um, I've been completely impressed with like how it's been in my past experience, like one person, one, one person can completely kill a scene, kill a shop, kill a scene. that That is still true, by the way. Um, I'm lucky then like my local meta has got a better hand on this. A new shop opened and they started pushing, you know, 40 K really big. It got all these guys back in that hadn't played in a couple of years or were playing at home and stuff like that. And they had a couple problems here and there, but they were able to just solve it, put out that fire immediately, like before it spread and, you know, and went on. And it's just, it's been amazing. I, you know, I guess with any game, uh, it's very important that you should uh, be responsive to anybody that wants to get into it. Anybody that walks up to you and is like, hey, what is this? Oh, I've heard about this. Can you tell me about it? Stop. Stop what you're doing and, and turn around and talk to them because that that's going to be a guy that wants to play this game. And I know my local shop has been, like, really, really good about that. They have, like employees at their events that like that's all they do is teach teach these games because i mean how smart is that 
if you teach this guy this game and he likes it, he's going to turn around and drop hundreds of dollars with you, you know, right there. And there you go. You know, you're creating a new customer. Yeah, absolutely. Because nobody's going to walk into a game store and say, I'm going to punch some nerds. This stuff is stupid, whatever else. Right. They're going to be like, I mean, they might. Right. But they'll probably get up and walk away. People who walk in are like, hey, what's this? And ask the question or legitimately, you know, something grabs them at that point. Uh, we in Memphis, there's Memphis can be really clicky. Uh, you know, we, we have the battle bunker here. Um, we have another game store here that's sort of um, out out east. And another one was just opened in Midtown, which is sort of catering to magic and all sorts of things. Uh, is that the one that uh, it's like 901 or something like that? Or I can't I can't think of it. it has numbers in the title. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the newest one. Uh, from what I've heard, their their space is a little bit smaller. Uh, I just watched a video on them. They're saying you know come in, hang out, bring dates, whatever else. Have a board game library. A good friend of mine is actually opening a game in uh, a store in six weeks. Uh, here sort of on the outskirts of Memphis. He runs one of the largest apocalypse games in the U.S., in St. Louis. Uh, He he runs the Siege World Tournament um, in St. Louis. It's happening, I believe, August 10th and 11th of this year. Um, He's opening a game store here. He he lives here now. He's opening a game store it's a big space. I think there's going to be like 12 tables and like two or three private rooms. Uh, we're going to do a streaming table there and stuff like that. The, the problem with community here isn't so much that um, there's a lack of stores. There's a lack of space, right? Because the bunker for a very long time was two or three tables and then the hobby table. And the hobby table was great. And there were, you know, when I, when I started going there, there were you know eight people sitting there painting, but nobody was playing games. Um, they've had some changeover there, and 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 I've been running ITC tournaments at the Games Workshop in Memphis, Tennessee, in the Battle Bunker uh, for a few years now. Right, they've opened it up to us because the managers of those stores know that they do good business when we're there, leading up to it. Uh, another one of my friends, JD, uh, JD Legion, who um, is more of a a fluff hobby uh, uh, player. He ran an escalation league through January, and I think they had as many as fifteen games there on a Thursday night. Wow. Okay. Crazy, right? And they ran into space issues as well. Uh, and, and, and the manager of the store was gracious enough to open up the trade, you know, the, the, the bunker to them. And, and it sort of helped to really grow the hobby. Uh, we're at a point now with this game. And I think with people locally, for the most part where, you know, if, if I'm running a list, that's going to push your shit in, I'm going to tell you, right. But if you want to have a friendly game and run, you know, um, what's it called uh uh points or or battle points or whatever it's called power level that's what it is you know we can do that too i'm good i'm still gonna try and win doesn't matter i'm still gonna try and game but but the parody in the game is such that it it probably won't be a bad game for the person who loses 
which is totally different than 7th edition. Unless you're running a Nari, like I ran at LPO. In which case, every table you walk up to, you're going to see a sad face across from you. Uh, even the games that I lost at LPO, uh, because my first turns were usually so devastating, people just got demoralized, and that sucked. I, I fucking hated that. <laughs> well, what can you do? You know, it's, it's part, it's part of it. I know uh, like competitive play wise, I always, I don't know. I've never been one of those guys that wants to play a special character, a named character. That's just not me. That's just not my thing. But like for the longest time, it was like, well, if you want to win, you got to, you know, if you want, at least if you want to competitively win, you have to, you have to do it. So, you know, like, you know, you'd have fucking Blood Angels with Dante and Lamertis, uh, Lamer- whatever the chapel Lamartis. was. You know, Lamartis, that's it, yeah. So it, that kind of shit was just ridiculous. But, yeah, uh, but again, you say you want to c- play competitive or, or do you want to play a fun game with the way you want to and maybe not win, right? Yeah, yeah, that that's the way I view competitive gaming. It's it's get good, you know, shit or get off pot, <laughs> right? I mean, no that offense, like I can play a competitive game against you and not have characters, but if I'm going to an event, not have named characters, sorry, but if I'm going to an event where I know I'm might have to play the top players in the world, you better be damn sure I'm going to take every opportunity I have to game those odds a little bit more in my favor. If those mean taking named characters, I'm going to do it. Now, am I going to do that against, you know, Joe Schmo? I don't know in a pickup game? No. I don't want to ruin anybody's hobby. Well, sometimes I do. But no, I don't want to ruin anybody's <laughs> hobby. You know, uh, again, it depends if I've had a really bad day at work. If I've had a bad day at work, maybe I do. No, I'm kidding. I don't. I uh, it's like, look, I didn't, I didn't come here and pay seventeen dollars for a pack of cigarettes to lose, you know. So I'm here to bring it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hopefully, that's what I'm known for on the internet from here on out. <laughs> hey, you're the guy who paid seventeen dollars a pack of cigarettes, right? It's like, well, yeah. What nicotine is a hell of a drug. Mm-hmm. Um, I think meth is cheaper in Vegas. I don't know. I don't. Think- <laughs> I hear it's hell. I mean, yeah, it sounds, it sounds like weed. It sounds like weed would be cheaper. Um, probably better for you. Uh, yeah. Maybe people got red flag for showing up loaded. Like, hey, I'm here to play, sir. You're at the age of Sigmar tables. You need forty. No, I'm gonna play here. El- an elf's an elf. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I. It, that's kind of funny. Last year, my. Uh... My fourth round player, was it fourth? Maybe it was my my third round player. He showed up 15 minutes late to the table. I had already gone to the judges twice. They just said, wait, just wait for him to show up. He shows up. And I was like, I, you know, I already set up the table, set up the objectives, because in ITC, the objectives are set. And I said, you know, where have you been? You know, I'm already set up. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. The beer line was really long. <laughs> Adam, the worst part of it? He didn't bring me a fucking beer. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I if you're going to be late to a game because the yeah. line was long, 
bring your fucking opponent a beer, man. It'll help. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I would have definitely done that. Going like, oh shit, I'm like ten minutes late right now. Yeah, I guess I'll bring him one. Maybe that'll help. He he did buy me a beer after the game. In all fairness, but but speaking of speaking of red cards and yellow cards, I did pull up the page, and, and basically what the code of conduct says is a foul is an action uh, taken by a player that violates the spirit of the game. Right. Okay. And there's more things underneath that that, that I don't want to list. But I think um, it, it's all judges discretion, which, again, I think the the appeal thing would be important in that for red cards if you're banned from ITC events. But, you know, being late, if you get multiple warnings, you know, all, all sorts of things that that sh- that makes a bad player. Bad. We know what that is, right? You've had a bad game before, no matter what. Right, right. It's yeah, I I don't want to see you like if I look at my watch or my phone, you're rolling dice and as soon as I turn around you pick them up. I'm like, "Oh yeah, those were all sixes." Yeah, so that's that's one of them. One of them is you must roll your dice in an area where your opponent can see them. Right? Oh, wait. That reminds me. There was this huge discussion on Twitter a couple of days ago about uh, people getting angry. Uh, apparently in the Age of Sigmar app, there is a dice roller in it. And uh, people have gotten really, really angry about that. It, people are like, well, if somebody tried to do that with me, I would you know, I just, I wouldn't play them, you know, and all that. And they're like, it's the official app. Yeah. It's the official dice roller. Yeah, it, 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 it's, undoubtedly, it's legal. It's, it's not the Games Workshop app, or not the Age of Sigmar app. It's a Games Workshop app dice rolling app that they actually hire the guy who does the video poker machines for Vegas, the randomized stuff that has to pass all of that to build the app. So ITC frontline gaming has come out and said, yeah, this is totally legal. If you're going to roll 120 dice for shooting, please use this app. No shit. Please use it. Right. I mean, yeah, I, for me, I don't like it because I like seeing somebody rolling dice, but I don't sure. think that it's cheating. It, it, it It's just one of those things where it's, it's different, right? I, yeah, people don't like change. I don't, I don't want to see dice app, dice rolled on the phone. Part of the fun of this game is rolling dice and not, you know, and seeing it and yelling, oh, no, or oh, yeah, you know? Um, Man, I, I, I always try to be very... Um you know, open or whatever with my dice roll, if I roll them, you know, and you're not facing away from me, I'm not going to touch them until you turn around, you know, and be like, okay, this is what I rolled. Now I'm going to go through and pull out what I miss. You know? Yeah. And it, well, see, you just hit it on the head, pull your misses, not your hits. Right. Because right. if you pull your hits, you all of a sudden you're putting your hands over dice, right. To pick them up. Yeah. Know what they are. Um, I've had people do that. I've had people reach into my dice pile and start pulling out misses for me without giving eh, them permission. No. It's like, eh. Like, and I don't care if people touch my dice. I don't believe in luck like that. But, you know, again, if you're covering a dice and picking it up, which you have to do to pick up a dice, I'm sorry. I don't trust you. I wouldn't trust me to do it. I don't trust you to do it. There are times during a game where if I'm hitting on fives or sixes and I roll three of them out of 30 dice, I mean, I asked my opponents, I said, do you mind if I just pick up the hits? Because obviously there aren't that many. If they say yes, <laughs> I do that just to save time, right? Because time is an issue uh, with this game. Uh, this year, actually, they went to three-hour rounds. And and that was that was something, <laughs> you know? Uh, my, my first two rounds this year, 
And I'm not trying to accuse anybody of slow play, but my first two rounds, the first player was an orc player. His name was Luis. He was from Miami. Um, good player. Good guy. Part of the issue we had I, that I had, even though I won the game, is that I didn't score enough points in my win. And I think it's only I think it's because I only went to turn four. Uh, and like I had mentioned earlier, my second game, which I lost to a Knights player, mainly because I forgot to bring my Rangers and push back his deep striking Blood Angels, um, only went to turn four, uh, maybe five. But had that game went on, uh, I probably would have ended up winning that game. And the reason it went so slow with the second game wasn't because of the player, player's army it was because my my inari sort of demoralized him he even said yeah i was dragging my feet because i didn't think i was going to win this game i was just rolling dice and i could see it in his eyes he was just demoralized again nothing against him he was a really good player he ended up going three and three or four and two like i did um and i saw him after the tournament and shook his hand and and everything else so nothing against him it's just sometimes those sort of things happen at a game right uh, for me, what I always tell people um, when they ask about competitive play and running into people who they might consider assholes uh, or whack players or whatever else, um, I say, you know, you never know who you're lining up against or what kind of day they've had. Right. True. That's like me yeah. at work. I never know if a doctor I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get their presentation on screen or I'm trying to record them or whatever else has had to tell a parent their child isn't going to make it. Right. So they might be in a bad mood. That's not a reflection on me. But that's, you know, that's kind of where they are. And I think part of the social contract that we can learn from from doing this for so many years is, is sort of understanding that the person across from you is an actual person has feelings and you don't know how their day has gone so it's on you if they respond negatively to you to try and find a way around it or try to make them i don't want to say feel better but more comfortable in the setting does that make sense yeah absolutely now um to me lvo is kind of Johnny come lately when it comes to competitive uh, 40k because I always thought Adepticon was like the place, the one to go to. How did LVO just eclipse Adepticon? I mean, Frontline Gaming runs it. They run the ITC. They named it the end of year Super Bowl, right? Right. Right, Adepticon is the biggest tournament in the new season. Okay, yeah, I see that. So Adepticon runs ITC. Uh, event. They they run their own missions, but the beautiful thing about ITC and and what they'll tell you is if you run Games Workshop missions, Nova missions, Adepticon missions, Renegade Open missions, it doesn't matter what you run, you can still get points in ITC. You can get points for whatever you want to do. They're not saying you have to play our format, right? They're just saying, here's something that we can all measure each other by. Because there is obviously a want for the community to decide who is number one. You know, um, I've never been to Adepticon. What I hear is it's much more of a con than it is a tournament. And, and that's not to say that it isn't a tournament because it obviously is a large tournament. And, and a lot of the top players who go to LVO 
we'll be at Adepticon to start the year. Um, so it's it's it, it's just a, it, it's a different game. There's less terrain on the table. So they play four games on day one, I think, and then two games on day two. That's crazy to me. That's a lot of Warhammer in one day, especially if you're doing three-hour rounds with 30 minutes in between. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a lot. I'm not doing it this year. I'll probably do it next year, depending on how I end up going into LVO next year. Um, it's a lot. We, we, we have several people who go up there for a lot of the hobby classes, a lot of the other tournaments. K47 is big here. Age of Sigmar is big here. 40K is obviously, you know, kind of big here. Um, but there are a lot of people going up to play a lot of different things at Adepticon, and I, and I wish them out. well. You know, you, some of our teammates, Joe Putnam, Putman's going up there, uh, uh, Scott Stevens, you know, uh, uh, Nick Gunther, you know, a, a bunch of people, and, and a bunch of people who are honestly on my ATC team, our ATC team for 40K and so playing different games. Um, yeah, I guess that that is a really good point. Adepticon has become kind of more of a gaming convention than than anything else, it, you know, because I know especially a lot of like independent uh, game companies that I follow. That's like their biggest convention of the year, you know, that were they're demoing their stuff. They have all these eyes on it. That is a very good point. I didn't think about that, that they do other things there than that. You actually have people in Memphis playing uh, Conflict 47? Oh, we certainly do. So, uh, oh, geez, I don't know if I should tip the hat. But, you know, speaking about, I'm going to transition off competitive 40K, but competitive 40K has sort of brought me to this new group of friends in Memphis. And and one of them was Price Vanderberg, and the other was Nick Gunther. And Nick, Nick actually had me stand up at his wedding. I was in his wedding party. Um and, and that's the kind of thing that these games can do for people, meeting friends, you know, to have that. But, you know, 40K, he, he sort of got disenfranchised with it, like a lot of people do. He sort of felt his, his army was invalidated. Uh, but he started up K47. Morgan Evans, who is the Grot player I was talking about earlier for our ATC team, uh, started K47. A lot of people have. And, and then the store that I said was opening here in, in Cordoba, it's going to be called War Room, uh, the gentleman who runs Siege World, has been uh, a retail partner for that game uh, for the past couple months. He's been taking orders, and he's been fulfilling local people's orders as well as selling it online. And it's uh, it's really helped grow the game, which is great. Yeah. It's is great. that the guy that uh, his website is like boltaction.info no. or something like no, that? No, 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 no. no, no. It's not that guy. guy. Okay. I, I, I don't have permission to share his information yet, so I won't. However, I'm sure he would be more than happy to talk to you when the store gets up and running. I think he's signing the lease next Friday. Um, okay. He's And again, he has run competitive 40K events, uh, fluffy 40K events, all sorts of tournaments. I think he'd be really good for y'all. He, um, he, he's just trying to do the scene. And honestly, in the meantime, he's been hosting game nights at his house, mixed game nights for 40 K age of Sigmar K 47 at his house with like 10 people wow. with his four daughters and wife there. Wow. Patient. Yeah. Very patient. I know. Um, That's how committed look- he is to the hobby and to sort of building the scene, which is amazing. 
know locally we have a lot of uh, board game that way a lot of board game nights and stuff that's their thing is there are people that host and they'll have 20 30 people in their house you know on every flat surface playing a board game for whatever reason people just don't want to go out to the shop you know and and play and or the the night's wrong or there is enough space although we're getting a really big really nice the the store that i frequent is getting a new property and it's going to be really Really big, really nice next month. They're going to sell beer. It's going to be awesome. So uh, that that I'm kind of waiting for. Uh, yeah, I, I'm in all kinds of games, as people know that listen to the show. Um, I, ha- I actually have attention deficit disorder, and uh, I have really have gaming attention deficit disorder. <laughs> uh, I, I jump back and forth. You know, part of having ADD is you suddenly become hyper-focused on something and it it can be anything that kind of triggers me it can be just like scrolling twitter and i see a really cool model or whatever and all of a sudden i want to know everything about that game everything about that faction okay i'm going to order a rule book i'm going to order since nobody else is playing this game i need two factions so i can uh you know play it and uh yeah i have that problem so it it, it, you know social media is demonized often and rightly so but from this nerd perspective, isn't it great to discover a new Twitter account that paints models that you love or a new Instagram account that is just chock full of beautiful models? Like for me, I, I started an Instagram account, Bluff City Brawlers. You can follow me there. Second shameless plug. Um, <laughs> you know, it, mostly it, 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 it follows our, our team's uh, hobby progress towards ATC. But uh, a lot of my old art progress and stuff like that is there. Because I take a lot of pride in my painting and, and seeing other people do the same thing. It's awesome, man. Seeing beautiful models online, it just – imagine what it was like in 1992. Where do you find those pictures? White Dwarf? Yeah. White Dwarf, that, that's it. <laughs> that, that is literally it. That was the only place. Um, I'll tell you a guy I'll toss out uh, there that um, I found uh, – on Twitter is Gorilla with a Brush. It's at Gorilla Brush on Twitter. He's an amazing painter. He's so amazing that like a lot of uh, independent studios, like I know like Atlantis Miniatures, which makes really cool dwarves, uh, the painted ones you see on their website are his. He painted for them. They contract him to do it. He's really, really good. You know, and uh, if you're listening to this show, you know, and you're driving along, you're like, shit, I don't have time to to write that down. I'm going to try to do a little show notes thing for this on all these people and stuff we we talked about. So you'll have it. But, yeah, it's at Gorilla Brush. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, uh, I'm following that account right now. Yeah, he's 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 really cool. It's it's, uh, it's, it's so awesome, uh, you know, sort of what the Internet opened up. And even even going back to Games Workshop's, you know, painting videos. The techniques that I used to paint my Eldar army, straight from that, like I ripped them off. And it, it was different because, like I said earlier, you know, I started painting Marines and Eldars are a little bit more, um, you know, humanoid shape. There's a little bit more natural body lines and stuff like that. But but watching those videos, the techniques that you pick up is incredible. That didn't exist before. And when White Dwarf uh, was doing their original, you know, a painting thing, they'd skip five or six steps in between, <laughs> you know, 
hey, hey, this is your base color. Now this is your highlight. And then you're done. Goblin green. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, you know, we, we can't give away the store here. Right. You know, we, we have to, you know, have this. But it, blah, but it blah, seems blah. along the way that they figured out that they can give away the store, so to speak. They can tell people how to do this and people will buy the paints. Yeah. It, it, it's incredible. That's true. We live in Cincinnati. That is absolutely true. It was the best times. Um, it was the worst of times, right? So yeah, <laughs> I do also like you know uh, you can with Patreon and stuff like that, and we have one by the way. We're I think we're at Chance of Gaming at Patreon. Um, you know you can you could support your your local guy or you know whatever. And I mean I did a uh, GoFundMe I, um a month or two ago, uh just for hosting costs. I w- I wanted to raise 150 bucks. And it made it easy to to do that. So that's that's kind of cool, living in the in this day and age. I love the fact that no matter what game I can come up with, uh, no matter how old it is or anything like that, I can uh, find a group of people that play it, and or I can find the guy that created it. Yeah, you know he's there, yeah. and I can I can ask him questions. Yeah, that, you that know, that's and, amazing. And Some of the GW it. people who respond on on Twitter, not the rules questions, yeah. but just the design questions. That's incredible. Yeah, and and it, being it able is, to find that community um, just by reaching out, and if it's on Meetup.com or, or or whatever else, that's also awesome. You know, these stores have game board nights or, or board game nights or whatever else. That's a good time to be a nerd, man. It really, really is. <laughs> now, uh, what is the app that Frontline Gaming uses? That, that one, it's called. Uh, it's called Best Coast Pairings. That's it, right? And it's a it, it's a really powerful app that's probably underpowered on the back end. So, uh, my first year there, there was about an hour and a half delay between rounds. I don't know. I think it was two and three. That made my wife angry because she flew out there and was waiting for us for dinner. And then all of a sudden, guess what? I'm an hour and a half late. Um, and then this year to start the tournament, there was a half hour delay. You know, I, I, I give Frankie and the guys at Frontline Gaming all the credit uh, where it's due. And I know the... the That's cool. Uh, yeah, so the app is Best Coast Bearings. And um, it works really well. It's really powerful. It works for magic, all sorts of games. Um, the issue we've run into several times for the larger tournaments, um, both LVOs I've been to and ATC, is sometimes the servers crash when it gets overloaded. A big part of that is that they say, okay, uh, we're five minutes before the first round is supposed to start. Everybody go to this website right now. Oh, okay. And it crashes. And, and, and that's a shame because it is a good app. And, and I don't want to talk bad about the frontline gaming guys or anything like that. And the people who do the app are, are a completely different company. Even though they work in conjunction with each other. Um, the first the first year, uh, I think there was an hour, maybe 90 minutes of a delay between rounds two and three. And there wasn't much communication. Uh, this year, going into round one, there was 30-minute delay. And turns out just by word of mouth, you just go up to the person with the iPad at the, at the judge table. They tell you where to go, but there was no announcement. I think that's something they could do better at LVO. You know, for me, I work in, in, in tech support essentially. Um, and one thing I've learned is that even if there's no update, people like an update, right? Uh, right. I'm sorry. 
we're not sure what's going on, but we're working to resolve it. Please hold tight. Just say that. Everybody will be happy. Yeah, true. Very true. Most everybody. Right? Now, and five what minutes are later, the point? Eh, you know, we've kind of figured it out. This is what it is. We're still working on it. Okay, we're working towards the res- resolution. Everybody will be happy. Now, what are the points on the actual app? You earn points by doing stuff in the tournaments. What What is that going towards? So, ITC has a ranking. They use a uh, battle point format, and then for their tournaments, they use Swiss pairings. Um, and actually, this year, and, and we can get into this too, in a second, um, they had too many people to have only eight undefeated people going into the top, <laughs> you know, the top rounds. Um, but you earn battle points and it's basically, you know, you get a thousand points for a win, 500 points for a draw, zero for a loss, plus your primary and secondary missions, which, which can total up to 42 or 43 points. Uh, so the max score you can have is like 1042 for a round. Uh, and the least you can have is zero, obviously. Um, and then they sort of match you up for, you know, your strength of schedule, which is the opponents that you have lost to, uh, their scores added up. Or all the opponents you have faced, their scores added up total. Um, and then they use Swiss pairings to match people up. So it's not battle points to match people up. It's sort of win-loss record. And in, the, in, in a tournament as large as this, usually in the first day you won't face somebody who's on your team who you've registered for because they figure you've flown a 1,000 miles. You don't want to face somebody who you play every other day, right? That's uh, true. So this year, with as many people as they had, uh, the Swiss pairings would not allow them to have only eight undefeated players. So that means that people who go 6-0 and over the first two days, right? Uh, and it's just mathematics because somebody has to lose and somebody has to win. So they had more. I think they had seven. Maybe they had nine. It was an odd number of undefeated players this year. So they had a playoff. Uh, a fourth game on day two, which must have been brutal. I was in the hall. I was actually talking to one of the guys from Tabletop Tactics, which is a UK uh, uh, battle report uh, channel. And um, they kicked us out and said, everybody has to go. We're, you know, only the people who are playing in these round seven uh, are going to be able to stay here. And what they wanted to do is, is, is make sure that undefeated people went through top four so they took top eight players top four went through bottom four went into a playoff round and the winners of those games went on to the top eight which then becomes single elimination tournament and i don't know if that's something to address i don't know if it's something they liked i think that everybody liked it it definitely added excitement to it because all of a sudden people who were five oh and one you know people who had a draw for a game we're in the running for the top spot at LVO where a lot of times if you lose your first game a lot of people just walk off and won't play the rest of the tournament now that brings up an interesting point uh time what time does the first game start and how long you said the the rounds are three hours is that is that like a change from a normal ITC time? So it, it, it's new this year. It was two and a half hours last year. They've sort of been flirting with going to three hours. And I think they did that at the Barry, Bay Area Open. Um, the first game started at 10, right? 10 to 1. Um, then 30 minutes. 30 minutes in between each round. Uh, and uh, 
you know, there was that 30 minute problem at the beginning of round one. So nobody got lunch going into round two. I felt like I was going to pass out. Um, and then, Damn. oh yeah. And, and I, I actually, I had some time. I went and stood in the line with the catering they had there. And I, I got almost right up to it and had to leave because they called start of the new round. Um, Shit. yeah, yeah, it sucks because you are using a lot of mental energy. Um, you know, as weird as that sounds, it, it, it is a highly competitive game. You're playing the person across from you, and, you know, you need to be functioning, you know, fully. Uh, well, are you, are you like, dragging your crap around with you, too? Like, are you standing in line, like, holding all your, your figures and stuff? No, I, I usually leave it at the table because I, I trust people. And honestly, they're little plastic dude, man. If somebody wants to steal one... You know, go right ahead. Whatever. Uh, we, we don't hear much of that at LVO or any of these tournaments, which is nice. Um, but I typically leave it at the table. I also have a cart on wheels, which I bought on Amazon. Anybody who's playing Wargaming, get the Olympia tool cart. It's like 70 bucks on Amazon. It folds flat. I ship it. Uh, not ship it. I check it on airlines. I just zip tie the leg shut. It's amazing. Um, anyway, I set my whole army up on that. I pull it off. I just sort of stack it up or pile it up depending on the round. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was a little bit of a struggle in day one. Day two, I, I, they posted the, the pairings that night and, and I saw my pairing and it was a Necron player and he was a really nice guy and he was fighting for points until the very end and then at the last roll of the dice, I ended up tabling him and maxing out my score. And um, he, he didn't have very many points, but it's just the nature of Eldar versus Necrons. Eldar sort of punished them. Uh, a really great dude, but we ended up finishing early. That game took an hour and 45 minutes, right, out of three hours. So I had plenty of time to go down to the food court and get some orange chicken. I was very happy. Get Get loaded? Yeah. Smoke, uh, smoke a. Um, hold on, yeah. If we're gonna say a seventeen dollar pack of cigarettes, and this is what you'll be known for. Remember, I see, I see twenty divided by seventeen, and smoke yeah, a dollar eight, 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 six cents a smoke, something like that. Dollar eighteen, dollar eighteen. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Smoke. That's that's not I, bad. I'm at yeah, no, but but at that point, I was still smoking the packs I brought, so it was okay. Oh okay. <laughs> Um, okay, so another thing I've heard about uh, ITC that's optional, and I find it fascinating, I absolutely support it, everybody I've seen in my local meta it just hates the idea, and that's a chess clock. I don't see any problem with gaming with a chess clock, but of course I don't probably wouldn't play an army that has like two, 300 figures in it. Yeah. The, you know? the problem is people do. Right. So I had practiced probably two years going into LVO the year before this one, I had practiced with the chess clock, never ran into it. Didn't think anything about it because one of the main things I practice is playing fast, being clear, concise with my dice rolls and my rules. If somebody has a question, I will answer it. I know where to flip to. I buy all the rule books digitally. I have it all bookmarked, right? So I can flip to a page, 
uh, pull out a card, whatever else, and you just show them that. Uh, one thing I learned this year, especially with my first opponent, Orc player, again, not intentional. Slow playing by him. Not at all. Went to turn four. I had won. The game had probably reached its natural conclusion. However, um, had he played a little bit faster, I could have scored more points, which would bump me up the rankings, right? Um, my second player, I, uh, my second game, I told you I, I he felt really demoralized, and he was playing slow because of that, because of my first turn. Again, good player, wasn't purposely trying to do that, but, you know, if your heart's broken because half your shit dies the first fucking turn, you know, it, it, you're not going to be as enthusiastic to roll dice as you would be if you were winning. Um, I would have, I probably would have ended up winning that game. So when I got home, I bought a chess clock because because right. I need that. Now, Alex Fennell, who I spoke about earlier, um, who, you know, had the $15,000 donated to his wife's, you know, children's hospital. He came over. He put me on the clock. I said, Alex, um, nice to meet you. Uh, I'm. Your story is amazing, and it sort of points out the power of what we can do, the visibility that we have, especially giving to charity. Um, sure. He's like, yeah, no problem. And he's British, and this is not a British accent. Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, uh, do you mind if I play with this clock? Which is the right way to approach it, because in ITC, if one player says we play with the clock, you play with the clock. You don't have a choice. I said, yeah, no problem. Do me a favor, though. Do you mind helping me with it? Because I haven't practiced much. I play fast. If you could just remind me to pass it over to you when I need to. Um, and he was very gracious in that. And and at one point, he was talking to Frankie and Nick Nanavati and, and uh, not Frankie, Reese Nick Nanavati and, and telling him a story. And I, I had a pound on the table saying, Alex, you're slow playing me. I'm, I'm turning the time over to you. And it wasn't a problem. We finished with an hour left on the clock because both of us are practice at playing fast, right? Plus, he kicked my ass. So, <laughs> but we did like turn five. You know, which isn't that bad. Natural conclusion is turn six. Um, so, you know, it's okay. It's okay to do that because it, it's not fair for me to have to speed up my play because you brought 200 models and can't move them fast enough if I have 50 models and can move them faster than you, right? That's, uh, now, I, I really like the idea of a chess clock. I, I would like to see it take off like in tabletop gaming. And I think that like the main reason why, like uh, just a average 40k tournament, say my local shop opens at 10. So, you know, sign in is at 1030. We don't fucking get started till 1130. And we've got to do three, three hour round, you know, two and a half hour rounds, maybe a break for lunch. That's, Maybe I know a lot of people. It's very appealing to get three games in. And yeah, it, game, it is. The problem is, how do you provide people the check clock, chess clocks? Is it on you, as tournament organized, to provide them? So, just to give you an example, like we've been running ten man tournaments at at the bunker, uh, and they open at ten. Usually, I have people get there at nine forty five, and then part of their uh, admission fee is pizza, pizza money. We're going to provide you pizza. We do two and a half round. Our rounds were done by seven. So, so at, like, at, you know, at ITC uh, or at, at uh, LVO, uh, they had fifty chess clocks. Uh, they required it on the top top tables after round four, um, which I think okay. I just missed that cut. Before then, anybody who didn't bring one could 
go up to the judges' table if they had one left, sort of check it out, and then return it after their game. Alex Fennell in my game six brought his own, uh, which I think most people should do. It's 30 bucks for a really good one on Amazon. It's $15 for one that just is basic. You might have to program every round. Um, it's cheap. It keeps things fair. Uh, I, I feel, for me, if, if I line up against a Horde army with my Eldar, which is what I played this year, um, I feel like I need to play a little bit faster to give them more time. And I'm okay with Right. Uh, because I'm fairly confident for the majority of my games, which is proven out in my record that I'm going to win. But if I could maximize my score um, a little bit more because they're taking longer, uh, if I could max out my score, then, you know, if I was going to win anyway, I don't see anything wrong with that. People might take exception to that, and that's fine. But that's sort of the world we live in. Slow playing has been a problem. People have been accused from that, accused for that for a long time. And there's no way to prove it unless you use a clock, right? And the number one rule here is you and your opponent agree how to play the game. That's the number one. Frontline doesn't take that away. If you want to use the chess clock, they suggest chess clock rules. But if you don't want to use one, and even even in a game at, at, at LVO, if you don't want to use their terrain rules, as long as you and your opponent agree on the terrain beforehand, there's no problem. There were there were some instances uh, where, on my team, where, where some people, you know, came up not with their own terrain rules, but defined a piece of terrain differently than it would have been defined in the terrain guideline that, that, I, that uh, Frontline Gaming put out, and they called a judge. Uh, over a dispute and the judge said well this is the way that it is in in itc and the person on my team was able to say well hey but we agreed to this before the game the judge asked his opponent if that was true his opponent said yes and they ruled in favor against the uh-huh. the itc terrain guideline because they had agreed on the rule beforehand and that's the social contract that's the most important part isn't it now, uh, terrain has vastly improved uh, since I played way back when. Um, it was very sparse back then. I think they had some kind of bullshit rule like every piece of terrain put together is supposed to cover a quarter of the table. And so you would start it that way, and then everybody would just spread it out. And, you know, it, it just wasn't good because the whole thing in 3rd and 4th edition was... The Rhino Rush. Yeah. So I need a straight line so I can run in, jump out, and get in a hand-to-hand, game over, turn two. You know? And there's there's not that... Would you say in competitive 40K, there's not that much of, you know, the game is over, you know, by turn two or turn three? <sighs> That's a different question than a terrain question. If you're... Yeah, that's if true. If you're... <laughs> If you're a top-level player, which I'm not saying that I am, but I have played games against people who are maybe uh, less skilled than I am, I know by their deployment that I've won the game before any dice is rolled. Right. Okay. Because I, I, I now play an army that is able to punish mistakes my opponents make. Um, 
on the terrain side of things, uh, the terrain at LVO was fantastic. Uh, they came with the terrain guideline. And I don't know if you read any of this magic box stuff. So basically they, they sort of amended the GW terrain guidelines and said, you know, there's this thing called an enclosed ruin, which is a box, right? Uh, right. Ceiling, four walls that you can go into. No problem, because infantry can move through walls. You can go in there. Right. You can hide there. And bottom bottom floor levels are line of sight blocking in ITC. So, okay. so now the only thing that can remove those units is another unit running into it that is just infantry and fighting it and killing it or shooting it when it's inside the building or indirect fire. And that was a big fear going into the tournament. A lot of people were up in arms. I was one of them because, honestly, I don't like rules that remove models from interaction, right? If, if I don't have any indirect fire and you camp a unit in a building that I have no way to interact with, I think that kind of stinks. Now, uh, you know, in the same breath, I'm playing Inari and, and, and I have a minus one, sometimes minus two, sometimes minus three to hit. You might not be able to shoot them. I don't necessarily think that's right either. But, you know, that's the game we play. Um, regardless, it wasn't as big a deal as people were making it out to be. You know, I, I played on probably three out of my six games. So about 50% of my games had a magic box. Uh only two of those were in my deployment zone. One was in the center of the table for both of us. And the two that were in my deployment zone, my opponent had one to match. No, I had not heard about the magic box. It reminds me, is it like the, I guess it's like the box from Dune, yeah. the the, uh, the Atreides box you put your hand in. Yep. There's, yeah, there's no candy in nope. there, kids. <laughs> no, no candy. There's only pain. So... Like, how many days was LVO? Because you were up there for a while. I think when I messaged you, it was over, and you're like, well, I'm still in Vegas, so, you know, I'll be back later. Yeah, fuck, man. That's because Memphis's airport sucks, and I couldn't get a flight back from Vegas to Memphis on Monday. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Okay. They later added a flight through American that would have allowed me to do that, but then it would have been $200 to change the flight, and it was only 90 bucks for the hotel room. I was like, well, hell, I'll just stay an extra day in Vegas. Um yeah, but but it lasts from Friday until Sunday. Uh, early registration begins Thursday. Uh, so I flew out on Thursday and then uh, flew back on Tuesday. Monday, it, people were leaving. All my teammates left. Everybody left, um, which is fine. Uh, I was I was totally over people and bells and whistles and everything else in <laughs> Vegas. So I shit you not, I stayed in my hotel room. I bought that $17 pack of cigarettes, and then I went to the CVS to buy beer and went up to my hotel room and watched the Capitals play on my phone and went to bed early uh, <laughs> because I was over it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's three long, grueling days, especially if you're competing. And I played nine games in three days, which is a lot. But that's part of being a, a tournament player is is you have to like and I'm I'm I, I know your listeners can't see me I don't want to describe myself as rotund but I am a man of larger carriage um, it's it, it, it's hard stooping over those tables uh, it's hard walking around I mean there wasn't a day that I didn't walk five miles back and forth from the convention hall to get food to the bar to the hotel room everything else. It's hard work, 
right? So you kind of have to know what your body reacts to. Now, I'm fortunate enough to know that, you know, um, uh, playing in bands in my younger life, and you know, in my previous life, um, what works for me to sort of recover from things, if I have a payday bar, game on, man, it's over, right? <laughs> and I just, I just, I know that that works for me. Um, not having lunch the first day kind of killed me. Uh, but then I was able to recover, but it's hard. And if you're not ready for the mental challenge of playing six to nine games over the course of the weekend, there's no way that you can compete. And that's something you have to train for. Going into our ATC games, I make sure that our guys get together and we'll do just a little tournament at somebody's house where each of us play three games. Rapid. Okay. Because you have to. And ATC is a little different because it's um, – it's it's two games and three games and one game on Sunday, I think. So it's spread out almost like a traditional GT, which would be three games one day, two days, two games the second day. But it's still hard. It's still hard if you're not used to it, especially for the more casual yeah. player. I swear, I never, I never thought about training for for something like that. But yeah, that's that is a good point. If you're not used to it. <laughs> That would be. I, I, I played a uh, a tournament in Tupelo last year. <clears throat> now I was talking to my final opponent. I, I think I ended up finishing second in that one. No, and and one of the guys from our our team finished first. I was talking to my last opponent, and I was like, you know, he was he was huffing and puffing. I think he was a police officer, and you know, so he was. I don't want to say you know flat foot, but I think you know he had beat the pavement a lot, and I think he was in the military, and and he wasn't as. Uh, rotund as I am and he you know he was having a hard time standing up and it was he was standing on concrete floor the whole day and I told him I said yeah you know I'm I'm, I'm thinking about getting in shape for 40k next year and he sort of laughed at me and he was like why would you get in shape for 40k and I, I had to tell him I was like if you look at the top players they're skinny dudes there you know you know I, I would say for standing up like that uh beyond everybody knows like good shoes and oh my gosh like you know just standing on flat out concrete would kill you it it would really help you if you brought your own rubber mat to stand on but uh one thing most people that are under the age of you know 40 are not thinking about is uh compression socks get compression socks that will help you a lot if you have to stand up walk you know whatever yeah that's a, that's a really good one i'll tell you what uh the other thing that that i try and combat more than uh, sort of leg fatigue is swamp ass because tournament swamp ass is a thing <laughs> uh compression thought socks i haven't thought of that's a really good idea we have guys who actually bring sort of the rubber you know gym mats that you see or children's mats set it up around the table but compression socks i'm gonna take that into next year maybe that might be the difference maker at (laughs) keep you going for like uh, one other uh one other round but yeah how do you what do you do for swamp ass i I wear shorts and flip-flops uh so i wore that the first day the second day i went back into jeans because obviously my 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 legs hurt from doing that and and that was a mistake because then just my legs hurt and I had swamp ass. <laughs> so for the third day, I, I switched back. Uh, 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 gold bond powder yeah. might help. Absolutely, you. might help. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that's the real thing. 
another thing I do at tournaments, and and it's not so much swamp ass, it's not the smell, but but I always wear cologne at tournaments. I I don't wear cologne for dates. I don't wear cologne to work. But sometimes you play against somebody, and you just need to sniff yourself. Uh, just just to get rid of the smell that's in the air. <laughs> you know, that is a very, very good point. What was the uh, the body odor situation at LVO? It was pretty good, actually. The air conditioning was working well. It was cold in Vegas. Um, the floors were carpeted. Uh, unlike ATC this past year, where the air conditioning was out for the first round. It was 400 oh, people wow. in a... Uh, 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 a metal roof shed with concrete floors. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's as bad as you're thinking. Uh, yeah, the taste, you just can't get rid of. Still, to this day, I wake up in the night. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, like, in a lot of people's defense, even if you're wearing deodorant, even if you showered, you're going to sweat right through it. It's just going to be gone. Yeah, I agree, but some people definitely did not take the preventative measures they should have. Uh, and again, yeah. just just yeah. some cologne on your chest. Just tuck your nose into your shirt. Everything's better, right? <laughs> so Adam seen me uh, on video, so he, he saw the visual. But sometimes you just need a little escape. It's like, ugh, that Drakkar Noir, much better. Do they even make Drakkar? I don't know. I haven't bought cologne in <laughs> years. That's where I'm at. I'm 43 people. Well, about to be, so, you know. All right. So is there anything else we need to know about competitive 40K? If, if you're the one thing I would say is if you're at all interested in it, give it a shot. Don't believe what you read on the internet about so-called whack players. Uh, you know, one of my best friends, you know, Matthew Bonnerchuk, which which I you know said earlier in the evening, I met at LVO. We talk every day. Um, I've met people from all over the world. I've met people locally. Give it a shot. You're going to run into the occasional asshole, um, but you're also going to meet some good people. You're going to join a team. You're going to be competitive within that team, and y'all are going to push each other, and that's awesome. So so please do it. Um, reach out to whomever's in your scene. If, if you're within the range of my voice, you know you can reach out to me. Um, or the League of Extraordinary Gamers of Memphis. Um, and and we're more than welcome to, to help you with whatever hobby needs you have. Um, yeah, that's about it. The, the, the only other things that I, and I'm sorry, I don't know if it's time for me to plug, but, but I, you know, the, um, the podcast I do, uh, Beyond the Battlefield, it, it, it's more than just sort of a competitive 40K podcast. The guys are really hobby-focused. And and more so than most podcasts that you'll listen to where they're just reading from a codex or reading lists or this, that, and the other. It really is four guys sitting around a microphone in a basement, drinking beer and whiskey, painting, and talking about their hobby. And these are some of the most competitive people that I know. So... So it's just all sorts of different people. Now, is that a uh, – is it just a Games Workshop podcast or just 40K? Um, so, yeah, right now it's just 40K. Um, I, I, I guess we'll see what happens in the future. Maybe maybe your listeners will have to tune in to find out. But right now, yes, it's just 40K. 
And is it I mean, beyond just Googling it? Is there like a particular website URL or anything? Yeah, you, you can find out? Beyond the Battlefield on Facebook. Uh, Facebook slash you know, Beyond the Battlefield. Um, you can find us on iTunes uh, or wherever you, you, you listen to podcasts. And uh, on Instagram, Beyond the Battlefield. Ah, I didn't know that. What what was the other uh, Bluff City? Bluff City Brawlers is my Instagram account, and, and, and we'll on Instagram. Yeah. We'll be chronicling our, our approach to ATC as we sort of uh, build a team, which is interesting uh, in, in our second year going into it. Um, and then and then the only other thing I, I mentioned the game store, and I mentioned the the gentleman who runs Siege World. His name is Michael Horner. Uh, he's opening a store here in Memphis. It's going to be called the War Room, and 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 he's he's shipping. I think he already has an online store where he's he's selling K forty seven, and he has a retail space now that should be opening here in a few weeks. Um, he should be selling forty k. He's going to have a board game library. There's bars, you know, on either side of it. I think uh, you'll be able to rent out lockers. One of the really interesting things that he said he's going to do is he's going to sell bits by the ounce. So he's going to have a bit shop, right? So you come in, you that's you put your cool. bits you want in a bag, you weigh it, and he'll sell it to you by the ounce, which I think is really neat. That is, yeah. <laughs> Save me having to go to eBay and you know look up the particular bits here. Yeah, absolutely. If you, I mean, if you can find them. <laughs> so yeah, now I. I am. I'm really interested um, in doing competitive 40k at the very least at the at the local level. But uh, unfortunately, at at my local level, they are just about to go to the three color system, <laughs> which I had just been assembling my stuff because I figured, hey, at least I could play with it this way, and I could just get these painted, you know, here and there and whatnot. But eh. I'll get there probably by uh, end of the year, I think, if they stick with it. Well, I'll I'll tell you what. um, That's one of the benefits about joining a team is you get the opportunity to test stuff, play competitively, you know, competitively-minded games um, while you're still building your army, right, while you're still building your list. And, and, you know, we've been able to do that Games Workshop. Obviously, we've been running these tournaments at Games Workshop – they have to be games workshop models and they need to be three color minimum. Uh, we've looked the other way a couple times. The only thing that we say is like, you know, if you show up and it's not three colors, you can't get prize support if you win. Right. That doesn't mean you don't get the win. Right. You don't get the points. It means you're not going to get the $90 gift certificate to games workshop. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw some uh, guy locally kind of pull that out in arguing the, uh, the, the three color rule. They're like, Hey, you know, ITC rules state that, you know, you're not, you can't do, you, you're not eligible for prize support if it's not painted or blah, blah, you know, uh, no, uh, I, I get yeah. that. It's not ITC rules. It's a social contract, man. I don't feel the model and competitive play that I haven't poured my heart into painting. Sure, absolutely. Right. At that level, because yes, I respect absolutely. my opponent across from me. You need to paint your models to play them, and and it's it's not Infinity, it's not War Machine. This is Games Workshop. There's a there's a lot of people who show up to these competitive events who are hobbyists only because they want to see beautiful armies. You know, it, it, 
and and that's part of sort of building up to LVO and going to these smaller local tournaments is, you know, you start building, right? So you have your army, you build it, you prime it, you put a wash on it, you put a highlight on it, you've got your three colors, right? And then you spend the next right. year building up to this big, huge event, painting your models. So when you get there, you have this army you're fielding that you're so super proud of and that people will come up and compliment. And I think that that is a big part for a lot of people who maybe, you know, aren't making the top tables, aren't making the top half. They just get to paint. They just get to play against a painted army where they might not be able to do that in their local meta. Right. Because, because that's the immersion of it. Right. Everybody has their own head story when they go into this. Right. I can come up with any story. Why my, you know, ultramarines with Rabute Gilliman can fight any other chapter of space Marines. I can have that story. except for gray plastic Marines. I can't have that story in my head. Right. So as much as that, I that am feeling. a competitive player or a whack player, you know, I, I still need that to stay interested in the game. I, yeah, I, I completely understand that. That's just happened to be where, you know, I've gotten interested in it after, like, you know, reading about the LVO and looking at all the cool stuff, which brought us to this whole podcast, you know, <laughs> episode where we were talking about this. And then I'm like, ah, oh, shit, now, now. For literally, like, the first time, I think, in my gaming life, I don't think I have anything painted. I don't know. I have my towel. I have a good bit of towel that are done that I could probably just add a few things here and there. But, ah, what are you putting your thumbs down for? Boo, towel. That's good. Well, that does remind me. Um, Who were... Who were like the top five LVO winners just uh, in uh, terms of what army? they? All right. Well, let me pull this up here. I'm just going to open my best ghost pairings app, uh, which you can subscribe to. It's only a couple of bucks a month and it gives you um, the listings of all the tournaments that you would want. Otherwise it gives you sponsored events that you can see going back a few, few days or all, all the events that you've, you've played in. So for the LVO, for 2019, the number one player who won on a single dice roll. I was actually playing the team tournament right next to the table on the stream. You might be able to hear me yell. Uh, was Brandon Grant, and he won with Astro Militarum. Um, and and I believe he had a night. Let me just pull up this list right here. Uh, Rough Rider Infantry. Yep, he had a night. Castellan. Surprise, surprise. Um, so the person he was playing against was Alex Harrison. Alex has been has stirred up some controversy in the past, both at the London GT and a couple other events. Um, whether uh, you know it was gamesmanship or not, I I don't know. I haven't seen those, but I have heard things, and I, and I don't want to disparage any player because unless you're in the heat of the moment, you don't really understand it. But I can tell you there was a definite. Uh, uh, USA slant there for Brandon Grant, who ended up winning uh, by passing a morale check on the last dice roll of the wow. game. And, and that was incredible. And then Alex Harrison with Unari, uh, Michael Snyder with Astra Militarum, which I can only assume included a Castellan. Um, Justin Lewis with, with Colt Mechanicus, probably again more Knights. Sean Naden with Unari. Um, number six, William Aviles with Tau Sept. With Tau. I wonder what it was. Which was a, 
Cadre Fireblade, Commander, Shadow Sun, Dark Strider, a bunch of crews, some some strike teams. Uh, what else do we have? Strike teams, breacher team, and then three Riptides. So so that's almost a classic seventh edition list. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and then uh, Space Marines with Adam Taller and uh, Josh Death in ninth with Chaos Demons. Uh, some more Nari and Astro Militarium, uh, Dark Eldar, Chaos filling out the rest of the, the ten. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, the Knight Astro Militarium list is probably the strongest that we've seen. So what did they field uh, besides the the knight itself? It's just one knight, right? Uh, it varies. Uh, so so you can do the the knight with the the big knight, the knight Castellan, with with uh, two gallons, which are the close combat knights, which hit on twos. Um, or you can do the Castellan by itself with a bunch of guard and maybe some blood angels or some other uh, imperial shenanigans. Um, including, uh, like Michael Horder runs his, um, his ogrins with brute shields. Uh, or you can run, you know, knights with some of the baby knights. I don't know if you've seen the baby knights, uh, the Omega Warglaves. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have. Some yeah. The Helbrins and stuff like that. So we see a lot of those yeah. as well. The, the, the one common thread is they always have just a battalion of Astro Militarum because it gives them some command point farming and, um, you know, five command points, honestly, which, you know, I, I know GW tried to address. I still think that's a, that's a little bit of an issue. And I'm not trying to pretend I know where to go with it, but I, I think that, um, Knights being as command point hungry as they are and as powerful as they are having cheap access to command points, kind of an issue. The same way the army that I play at Nari um, has command point free access to abilities that allow them to take out of sequence actions, right? Which I think we'll see change. Hmm. I don't think it's right. It's in the rules now. I'm doing it. Um, but I think we'll see that change as well. I guess we've talked about everything about with competitive 40k <laughs> at this point. We've talked, yeah, we've gone up and down. And uh, LVO, I swear there was like one more thing that I wanted to ask, and that's it's going to be really annoying because I'm going to think I'll I'll remember it when I'm uh, editing this tomorrow. Like, oh fuck, I meant to ask about you know. Hey, you you, you can right. call me back and and ask. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm here for you, and and anytime, Alex. You, you, Adam, you you want to talk 40k or or anything really? Uh, I'm here, right? Cool. Now you mentioned uh, going. Uh, you played a thing in Tupelo. Are you going to go to Tupelo Con? Yeah, that's what I played last year. No, not this year. I, I was not too happy with it last year. I'm thinking about going up, uh, but I'm just just because it gives me a chance to play some different yeah. things that I can't play down here, like Star Wars Armada. And well, uh, I, one or two yeah, other I, And I know they had a lot of people there for that. My big thing with it last year was, um, excuse me, I, I don't like to talk bad about people, but but I'll just say, it. number one, um, the event started late because we were waiting for one person to show up. Oh, uh, and it must have been a local. Yeah, and it started an hour late because of that. 
Yeah. So for people, I hate people it when they do that. who drove, you know, there two hours, two and a half hours, depending on how fast you drive, maybe an hour and a half. Yep. Uh, you know, that's the problem. Number two, you know, I, they said they were going to report the scores to ITC. They didn't end up doing it. So I, I kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, away from my family doing it. Not that I wouldn't have gone there if they hadn't have reported their scores to ITC, but they said they would. So, yeah. um, for me, and again, I'm sorry to Will and everybody there who's doing it, but that's kind of that kind of soured me on the event. Um, I I'm I'm big on you know if you're earlier on time, if you're on time, you're late, and if you're late, you're fucked, and that's the way that I run my events, and that's yeah. kind of the way I expect other people, you know, fairly or not, to run theirs. Yeah, that's true. I understand. But that. by all means, and I will s- that that may have been a fluke. So if you're within the sound of my voice, please go to the tournament and support those guys. Please support the hobby, whatever it is. I I, I don't mean to to talk bad about what they're doing down there. And uh, yeah, as of this, as of right now, I'm planning on going. Um, I will say, uh, I guess the only other thing I had to say was I actually attempted to put together a, or try to organize, Just I, it's not me technically right, I'm just trying to organize a ITC ruled um, Mississippi State Championship. Like they did down in Louisiana this year. Like they do in yeah. Louisiana, because they do it, and they have done it in Alabama, I don't think they're doing it. I think... They didn't do it last year. I think the year. original Ard Boys tournament was in Mississippi. Am I wrong? I don't know. Oh, shit, man. That's a blast. <laughs> I forgot all about Ard Boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where there were actual fist fights at, uh, at events across. Hey, you know, yeah. Bring it. That, that, so, uh, so I'll tell you what. Uh, one of the things that I know that, that, that Frontline Gaming said on their their podcast this week after LBO is they're looking into actual regional regional champions or or leaders or whatever else so so maybe that could be you or somebody else for your state they do um leaderboards by region but the region is by the tournament you play in so i'm in the southeast but when i go play in arkansas i'm uh, i'm in the southwest for some reason i don't know (laughs) right so i have two different scores it doesn't matter where i live well, it is across the river. I don't know. Yeah, and honestly, no, no. Wait, Arkansas isn't across the river. No, it's not. It's on this. It's on the right side of the river. I don't know. No. Sorry, no. I attempted to do geography. It, Sorry, it, it's on the wrong side. It, <laughs> it, it, well, it's across me, the river, and they have a tournament there every year. Andrew Taylor and Desperate Allies runs one. It's coming up on March second. It's called um, uh, March Madness amazing tournament the first big tournament that i ever actually went to and and those guys run a hell of an event um okay let me tell you my my issue in trying to organize it it was like look i mean it was i i do that it it has to do with my add you know i'll just wake up you know have this idea and i'm I'm hyper-focused hyper-focused on getting this off the ground it was one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. <laughs> it, it it took about the second week into it to realize why the fuck did I jump on this huge fucking headache? It's hurting. It's massive. a massive. 
massive, massive headache, and you know, doing this. And the main problem is store owners. The store owners, my local guys are great, no problem. You know, the store owners don't want their uh, uh, their gamers to realize there is another store within driving distance that's better. They don't want them to find out that, oh my gosh, this store does discounts, or this store does free pizza, or, you know, whatever the fuck. They don't want them to do it. They're fucking terrified that they will learn, that, and they'll come back and go, hey, why this store does this. Why don't you guys do that? So, like, the biggest thing, this biggest contention thing I had was all the, you know, everybody wanted just the same rules. The same, and it was just simple rules. It was the same dollar amount to buy, to get, to go in the tournament and the same payout. And that was a huge fucking problem because so many stores do it differently. So, look, some stores. My local store does a hundred percent payout on every event, and other stores were like, oh, "What? What? Well, we don't get anything for actually hosting this. Well, how do we benefit?" So, so that's that's what I do it, it, when I run the shows at uh, Games Workshop. It's not a hundred percent because the Best Coast Pairings will do all the credit processing for me, so they take a cut to cover their cost, right? And then I take a cut to order pizza and buy sodas for everybody. Everything else goes directly to prize support. Let me ask you this, though. What do you prefer, trophies or certificate or prize support? Because I've heard conflicting things about this. I know a lot of people have trophies. I know your listeners can't see this. The first tournament I played in was a team tournament with my uh, my my now really good friend, uh, Anthony Hilla, Um at Games Workshop, I'll show you this trophy, and it's it's sitting on my my uh, monitor speaker. It's it's one of the things that means the most to me. Yeah, send me a send me a picture of it, and I'll post it in the show notes. Oh yeah, that's that is a great trophy. So that, so wow, if you can't see this, really cool. uh, remember when Dawn of War three came out, and and there was the the picture of the Wraith Knight cutting uh, an Imperial Knight in half. The uh, counter to that was an Imperial Knight sending his chainsword through the midsection of the Wraith Knight. And that's what I have from Games Workshop, painting gold. I will send you a picture for, of it so you can post it for your listeners. But this is this is like one of my most precious 40K things. I don't know why. It's just awesome. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. And, uh, like, look, my local shop, the guys that own it, they own every Papa John's in the area. So at every event, there's free pizza. If you come to Friday Night Magic, if you come to X-Wing Night, every tournament, it's free pizza. You know, lunch is provided. So that's that's really cool. But they do 100% payout store credit. And they basically see it as, you. I've got, you know, 10 guys coming in paying $20. It's $200 that's going to be spent in my store right there. You know, because they pay out in store credit and you, whatever you want to buy. If you want to buy 40k stuff, if you want to buy D&D stuff, if you want to buy magic cards, you know, whatever. So I like that. But what they were talking about for that, they were like, you know, we could do a trophy. 
wouldn't that be cool, you know, to do like a trophy, do something like the Stanley Cup where it has everybody, you know, that wins each time? But oh, fuck, like man, the Washington Capitals. Apart. Sorry if that triggers anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, I've got to talk to you about uh, hockey. I've wanted to get into it for like. Oh, let's forever, do a hockey man. podcast. That would be fun. Uh, <laughs> we could, we could, we could just start, just start one where, yeah. And cause I like one of my favorite States where I want to live is North Carolina. And then they have like the, the they have the hurricane. The yeah. Canes. I know Justin Williams so, is captain of that team. He's a good former capital. Love that dude. Um, yeah, but, but, but going back to the pizza, the trophies and everything else and, and, and giving out store credit, I think a lot of things that people, store owners, and again, never owned a store, so I might be talking out of my ass. Miss, is it's not the tournament day itself. It's the buildup. It's the arms race, right? If you run an escalation league up to a tournament and people start to see what's out there, how can I beat it? How do I buy more models to beat this? That's what it does for the community. That's what it does for the stores, right? Uh, people like wa- watching the tournament. You know, some guy brings in some some kind of crazy list, and it works. People will be like, "Oh, I, oh my gosh, I have to order all this." Right. You know, now I want to run that list. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and and, and that's important. I mean, it, it, it's the optics. It, it, it's people coming up, spending money. It's buying new units, buying paints for new units, buying all this stuff. Um, you know, I, that's that. It, it, it's sort of disheartening to hear that people in your community don't want to spend money on, not people, store owners don't want to support tournaments because um, the the tournaments and the you know the escalation leagues and stuff like that for 40k that we've done here just for Games Workshop, which is the like factory store here in Memphis, even though it's in a bad location. The months we do that, they make record-breaking numbers. It's great, and the managers there, um, uh, and I won't say them by name, but you know, when we've done it, they have, uh, uh, you know, they thanked us. They 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 love to be a part of it, and we'd love to have them as a part of it. Um, the unfortunate reality of it is, if if we have a an independent retailer, we can probably get more surprise prize support there. Outside of sort of, uh, you know, just gifts now, and things like that. Now, uh, some of some of the stores were like, nah, we need at least 25% to keep. And uh, I know, like, I was talking to some other owners, and they were like, well, I can name you a store in another state. Whenever they do uh, magic tournaments, they keep 60%. Never play at those you know? stores. Attention, podcast yeah. listeners. Never play at stores that demand 25% of the door. God, I was in bands touring up and down the East Coast, and club owners wouldn't even demand that. That's ridiculous. I can almost understand for Magic, but but for 40K, ah, you know, I don't and, and not even for Magic. I mean, Magic is what, make, what keeps these stores in business. That's horrible. Well... And another, some of them were did their their prize payout strange. You know, they would take a percentage, but then you know, say it was twenty five percent, and so they're paying back seventy five percent. They would in turn say, "We'll sell to you at cost." 
that, that you know they were doing that like you spent that 75% whatever it was 100 bucks or whatever you would then get to buy GW stuff at the price the store owner paid for it so i don't know it was all confusing and i wish i'd never ever opened my mouth and decided to get into it and i back I mean it. i kind of get that but then you're giving everybody you know everybody the discount where you could just do gift certificates for the top three, top four, or, you know, top one, and then best painted, which would be amazing. Um, you know, sort of bring that hobby back. Uh, how are you making money at that? Uh, that, that kind of sickens me. People come out to, to pay their money. And I understand people have to make money. Um, but if it were just renting a space down there, I think you could probably do better than 25% of the house take to rent a space. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know, but I mean, you know, I get other ones that are like, you know, we'll do, you know, 40, we'll take 40 guys, you know, I'll, I'll rent out extra space, you know, and I'll pay back a hundred percent, you know, and I don't know. It was all different. I just, yeah, I got tired of it. And as of now, I'm not doing <laughs> it anymore. Well, uh, well, so, I'll, we'll I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I, I, I'm glad you found me. I'm definitely going to be a listener to, to, to the podcast going forward. Um, I'd love to have you up here when we run our next tournament. Maybe we do a live podcast together or, or something like that from from the shop, maybe from Games Workshop or maybe from the new store or something like that. What do you think about that? That would be cool. That would be a cool idea. Yeah, Memphis is three hours, I think. Two and a half, three, you're in Jackson, Mississippi? Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, As as long as y'all finish the construction on your highways through Jackson. Yeah. (laughs) With our potholes and whatnot, you know, so, yeah. But, yeah, no, I think that would be really neat, and and maybe even – you know, you playing it in a tournament up here might give you uh, a little bit of a perspective. So we'd love to have you up here to do that for sure. Oh, absolutely. It'd yeah. be cool. Now, uh, before we uh, sign out, what, what are the last-minute plugs? All right, so last-minute plugs, again, I think I said it. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Bluff City Brawlers. Um, more importantly, the podcast I'm involved with is Beyond the Battlefield. Bunch of Canadian dudes talking real Canadian, but they're good guys. They're competitive players, and they are hobbyists. Um, like I said, uh, Matt Bodnerchunk was uh, – was, um, Number going into LBO was number two or three overall. I think he finished like six just outside of recognition, although he did get a certificate for best adeptus starties in hobby track. Um, you can you can obviously keep your ear to the ground if you're within Memphis for a hobby store called the War Room coming to Cordova here within the next uh, two or three months. And then uh, the only other things um, – I think there's one ticket left for March Madness, which is in Conway, Arkansas. 60 tickets sold in Conway, Arkansas, right outside of Little Rock. Uh, That's March 2nd. And then Siege World, uh, more importantly, very huge Apocalypse apocalypse game. I think they're doing K47 this year, AOS, and then a um, ITC tournament, which is August 10th and 11th. Yeah, I'm pretty busy. Holy shit, I didn't realize I had that much to plug. (laughs) <laughs> yeah now i'm interested in conflict 47 see now i'm gonna get hyper focused on it and go in yeah i have the I actually had the rule book somewhere around here i actually think i have it in storage i've had it forever 
because I just I love the the freaking mechs in yeah. it. The uh, and of course when those mechs came out, there were no Imperial Knights. You know that that wasn't a thing in 40k at that time. So I was like, oh my gosh, 28 millimeter mechs. These fucking things are so cool. Plus it's got that cool diesel punk look where they just look very brutal. You know, just these big honking metal things. Yeah, and and, so, and yeah. if you want to talk about that, man, I I've got some guys who are totally in love with that Hubi. More than willing to jump on here with you and and talk about K forty seven for sure. The cool. scene the scene awesome. the scene is big. I mean, I've seen more people playing that over the past you know a month in Memphis than I have forty k, which is crazy. Wow. What? Why not? Why that and not Gates of Antares? Yeah, I don't know, man. I really like the aesthetic of Gates and Terry's, and of course the Roll Rider. I really like, you know, being a 40k fan. I don't know. I don't know. People like it. People dig it. Just, just curious. I'm actually, as we speak, my Gates of Antares starter set is being assembled. Nice. So, you know, I will, you know, I'll be able to play it. You know, there's, there's no tournament for me to go to, so I have to worry about painting it. We're just gonna, we're just gonna sit there and. uh and uh, uh play, oh, that's cool. You know, that's so. cool. And, well, anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, I hope people are informed. And uh, I really enjoy doing this this little supplemental thing. Just it's just every now and then I get an idea. It's just with 40k. You know, the first one was what the hell is all this? I don't understand it. You know, going in and I had a guy explain it to me. And this one is well, let's talk about competitiveness and, and going through and playing it. So whatever my next idea in a month, a year, whatever, you know, we'll we'll come back and uh, and I'll do this. And uh, yeah, but thanks a lot for coming hey, on. Hey, thank you. And again, we'd love to have you up here anytime you want. We'll we'll sit down together, do a podcast. Uh, or anytime you want to talk 40K or anything else, please hit me up. I appreciate it. Sounds great. All right, boss. Awesome.